Well, the good news is, it's a week after Easter, and Jesus is still alive. That's the good news. So we can keep celebrating and enjoying everything about our Lord and our Savior. And just as we talked about last week, we have a brand new series that starts right now on the Holy Spirit entitled Empowered. And much of modern Christianity has ended up on two ends of the spectrum in relationship to the Holy Spirit. And I'm not sure if you've had experience on either end of this spectrum. Oftentimes in Christianity, one end of the spectrum could be that there's an obsession with the Holy Spirit, that everything seems to come back to the Holy Spirit. Another end of the spectrum is that we ignore the Holy Spirit, that there's very little reference to the Holy Spirit. We know very little about him, or he's merely a theological blip, but nothing in our life practically relates to the Holy Spirit. My question for you today is, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Do you think about him? Do you need him? Are you confused about him? You know, there was a lot of confusion in my early years about the Holy Spirit. In fact, um, in my early years, oftentimes the Holy Spirit was referred to as it, rather than with a personal pronoun, and he was called the Holy Ghost, which further created maybe some mystery and, and confusion and and we need to, you know, in thinking about this, you know, we can identify with God the Father. You know, we understand what a father is. That makes sense to us. You know, a father in a household and there being some level of authority. Yes, I, I, I get that. And then we can identify with God the Son. We, we can understand that, that Jesus, the Son, took on flesh and came to earth and was among us. So father and son make sense to us. But the Holy Spirit? How do we connect with that? I mean, his name can be vague to us and his ministry can be vague to us and oftentimes people just don't, don't want to deal with it. And so this series, I wanted to awaken us to realize, folks, the Holy Spirit is in this place right now. Not only that, he is actively within the life of every believer right now. And he, he not only is aggressively active in the life of the believer, he's active in the church today. We desperately need him and his service. And if he is not active, I'm just here to say we will fail and flop, undoubtedly. It's interesting, uh, Pastor Jonathan quoted A.W. Tozer. I'm going to give you another quote by A.W. Tozer. Look at this one. This thing... Um, how true this is for today. A.W. Tozer mentioned about the Holy Spirit. 
many ministries function in the same way that if God removed the Holy Spirit from that church, it would go on functioning as though nothing were different. Okay, can I just read that again? Many ministries function in the same way that if God removed the Holy Spirit from that church, it would go on functioning as if nothing were different. Now, I don't know if that amazes you or if that absolutely scares you half to death, but the safe zone and the same zone has little need for the Holy Spirit. The comfort zone has little need for the Holy Spirit. So let's jump into this thing. Turn to John 14. We've been there a little bit in the last number of weeks. I think some of the context may be familiar if you've been in here with us the last three weeks or so. John 14, there was drama building for the disciples. Jesus just pulled these guys in. He just told them in John 13, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And John 14 develops and he says, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving the whole setup for the cross is coming, and he says, I'm, I'm going. Uh, last week at Easter, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come back. If you were here last week, that may ring a bell. And so here, Judas had just left after having um, been outed as the one who um, denied and sold Jesus out. And now Jesus is really giving a shake-up to the other disciples. They're in this small upper room. And Jesus spoke to these men in such a way that revealed his heart. And when I say he revealed his heart, I'm saying that he revealed some of the most intimate and personal details that would, that would certainly shake them up. And so they understood at this very point that things were going to change. Nothing was going to be the same. This was all within 24 hours of the most dramatic events that they would experience. This was known as the Upper Room Discourse. So let me just read for you here in John chapter 14. I'll, I'll start in verse 15, and, and here, here Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And then he starts in verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. And the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So here's, here's this introductory statement by Jesus. I'm going to be gone, but I'm sending someone else. And so, you know, we sit here calmly hearing this, these words. But for Jesus' disciples, there's a reason why he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. These guys were truly troubled. They were, sensing, they were sensing this abandonment, this churning feeling. And what were they afraid of? They were afraid of being left. They needed Jesus. 
When they woke up, he was there. When they were confused, he brought clarity. When there was fear, he brought security. When there was wandering, he brought direction. And for more than three years, they were virtually led every step of the way by Jesus. And so then they were getting this feeling, hey, I'm going to be leaving. They were going to be orphans. They were going to be all alone. There would be no one there to help and support and direct them. And so you can understand all the reason why they felt troubled. And I know one moment I can pinpoint in my life where I had this exact feeling, and maybe you've had it too. And it was 10.30 at night. It was October 30th, 1997, and I've shared this experience. It was the very night, and it was the very moment when my wife and I got this phone call that her father passed away unexpectedly from a heart attack, and there was a feeling of nausea. We were scared. We felt so alone. And here we were married. We were in our late 20s. Here we owned a home. We were full-time in ministry. You'd think that we would be stable. We would be secured. And here when the person who would walk through life with us all of a sudden was yanked out from underneath of us, we felt so insecure. There were no more No more phone calls, no more visits, no more daffodils and hostas that he would come and plant year after year. His priceless wisdom, his calming talks to my wife to tell her, you married him, now you got to live with it. Have you felt that before? That's what these guys felt right here. What about when they had a question? What about when they needed help? What about when they couldn't do it? Who would be there? Who's going to help them? So with this understanding, the God had already had the next phase in place. So let me just tell you, the whole reason why the Holy Spirit was given, the reason why the Holy Spirit was given, look at it, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. You ready? To help you. So here's what it is. The Holy Spirit was given. Here's the answer. Because we need help. Can we just admit this this morning? I know the disciples felt it. We need help. Are, are we honest enough together this morning to admit that? Can you say that of yourself right now? Say it of yourself right out loud. I need help. Okay, you really didn't convince me. There you go. You know, and I, I just pause this here for a second. When I was practicing, I practiced my messages. When I was practicing this, 
I was practicing to say, to tell the people, say, I need help. And I knew there would be some smart Alex that were going to say, you need help. Which would be true. But here we go. Say it of yourself, I need help. We do. We do. We don't have this thing together. You know, when Jonathan was standing up here and he said, you know what? Here's my heart. Sometimes when everything's going good, I'm thinking, man, I'm good. And I'm sitting over here thinking, that's me too. I need some help. And I don't think I'm the only one in the room. And this is why the Holy Spirit was given, you know, because we can't grow on our own. We can't just self-direct. Oh, I know everything I should be doing. No. You know, we need attitude adjustments. That's why there's the fruit of the Spirit. We need to change. You know, we need to be taught. You know, we need someone to tell us, you're wrong. You know, we need prompting to do what's right. And the Holy Spirit was given for the express purpose because we need help desperately. And it wasn't just the disciples back then. It's us right now. And so, so at this point in time, Jesus, he doesn't reveal everything. He doesn't tell them the whole thing about the Holy Spirit, but he, but he, he gives them an inkling. He says, here's a couple things I want you to know. This is how this thing's going to get set up. And he tells them a couple things, and so here they are. The very first thing he says about the Holy Spirit, he says, I want you to know this is what's going to be unique about this encounter with the Holy Spirit. The end of verse 16, so he says, and I'm going to ask the Father, he's going to give you another advocate to help you. And here's, here's the first thing he says, and be with you, and I don't know how your translation reads, and whatever you are, um, whatever you have, maybe even in your iPhone, but he says, and be with you, here's the big word, forever, forever. And so here's the first thing, this is how it's set up, here's how God set up the Holy Spirit. Initially, he said, the Spirit will be with us eternally. That's the big deal. So right off the bat, Jesus explains to his disciples, the Spirit will be with us eternally. Now here's why that's unique, and I'm going to give you a couple, a couple illustrations from Scripture, because what they knew at this time, what the disciples knew at this moment as they read their Old Testament all the way up to now, is that the Holy Spirit would come in, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. I'm going to give you an example. Long hair guy with a lot of strength. Samson. He wasn't strong because of his hair. The Bible mentions he made a vow and a part of that was his hair. And if he cut it, though, that vow would be broken. And while his hair was long because of the vow he made to God... It said the Holy Spirit would come upon him. He would have tremendous strength. He did crazy strong things. He would like take whole iron gates, you know, and put them over his shoulder and just walk out. He would take 200 fox, tie them together at the tail, 
and send him out. I mean, he'd defeat a thousand Philistines. Like, this is crazy stuff. You and I could never even imagine doing anything like this. This guy was beast. And it wasn't because of him. It was because the Spirit of God came upon him. And then he encountered a woman. Remember her name? Delilah. And through this seduction, off with his hair, he played around with it, off with his hair, and then the text reveals to us something very special. It says, and then the Spirit of God departed from him. This is what people knew in the Bible times. This is what the disciples understood about the Old Testament. Holy Spirit came in, Holy Spirit went out when there was a problem. And so the Holy Spirit left him, boom, off with his eyes, off with his strength. He was, he was bound, he was a slave. And then at the very end, the Holy Spirit came upon him, he pushed out the pillars, this building came down, he ended up defeating the Philistines at the very end. But the whole thing was the Holy Spirit would come in, the Holy Spirit would go. Here's another example, King David. King David... The Holy Spirit came upon him when he was anointed as king of Israel. But then he had an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. And then on top of that, he ended up killing her husband, Uriah. And so all of this transpired. And then the, the prophet Nathan came and talked to him and said, you know, you're wrong, bro. You the, you're the one that has committed sin against God. And when he came face to face with his sin, he said this psalm of confession in Psalm 51. And in that psalm comes this, this phrase he puts out there and he says, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Guess what he understood? Like, hey, this is something that could go. I know it came upon me when I was anointed as king of Israel, but this is something God could just take away from me and it could be gone. So this is exactly what was understood at this time by the disciples. And so Jesus says, okay, guys, I just want to corral you together. This is what's going to be different. I want you to understand this about the Holy Spirit. You need help. So as I go, you're getting someone. It's the Holy Spirit. And I know you've read stuff from the past, but here's what's going to happen. He will be with you forever. Because they could be thinking, oh great, Jesus, you've been with us, and, and in three years you left us. So what's going to happen with the Spirit? He'll be with us for a while, and he'll go too. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He will be with you forever. The Spirit will be with us eternally. Paul the Apostle follows us up. Ephesians 4.30 he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you are sealed until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit will be with us eternally. Here's the second thing that, that Jesus pulls his disciples in and he says this is really special. I want you to understand this. Not only the Spirit will be with us eternally, look at this, the Spirit will be with us. Here's the second thing internally internally so notice what he says in verse 17 the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him but you know him. 
Look at the last phrase. For he lives with you and will be in you. What a new, mind-blowing concept for these men. The Holy Spirit, God in me. Now follow this. Up to this point, the disciples and everyone else did know a very special word that talked about Jesus. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. This word was Emmanuel. Remember that word? We've talked about it at Christmas time. Emmanuel means God with us. How beautiful. Jesus Christ, God, taking on flesh, coming and being a man with us, among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the beauty about the Holy Spirit, what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm, I'm Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is going to be God in us. God in us. And God in us eternally. Just think about the implications of that. No wonder Jesus said the next page over in John 16, 7, he says, I tell you truly, this is, this is off the charts. It's for your good that I'm going away. Like what? Jesus, you're saying we're better off that you're leaving? He says, yes, because unless I go away, the advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him. We're better off with the Holy Spirit coming to us. And here Jesus says it's to your advantage, to the disciples' advantage that he leaves, and that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells them, and indwells them forever. Everything that they had experienced to this point would pale in comparison with the permanent, internal, hands-on activity of God the Spirit working on us from the inside out. So let's talk about it for a second. You know, because to many, the Holy Spirit is merely a department of theology. The big word here, if you want to impress your friends when you go out for dinner today, is pneumatology. Like, wow. You know, for some people, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, is just something that we can debate or discuss and, and talk about and, and see what you know and what I know. And, and, and I just, can, can we just come to grips here and realize, you know, God didn't put the Spirit into our lives merely to give us something to talk about in theology class, okay? God didn't say, you know, the church hasn't argued much lately. Let's give him the Holy Spirit. That'll give him something to argue about. God gave us the Holy Spirit because we need help. 
And unless we come to that admission, this study will be of little use to you. If we don't really believe in our heart that we need help, this is just going to be a regurgitation of theological facts. We need help. Because we become insecure. Because our attitude can stink. Because we can't do things we need to do. Because we don't know what to say. Because we need to change. Because we get addicted. Because sometimes, folks, sometimes we don't even know how to pray. And the Holy Spirit will tell God what you're feeling and thinking in your heart. And he's going to tell God with groans that, that just can't even be understood. But God's going to tell, the Spirit's going to tell God what you're feeling in your heart. Because we get scared. Because we need someone to prompt us about what to do and who to help. Because we need help. And Jesus said, man, do I have just the person for you. I've got the Holy Spirit. So I want to finish with these two areas of help. Here they are. He says in verse 16, that he helps with our comfort. He helps with our comfort. I mean, it's in his name. There's a, another big Greek word, parakaleo. It means he comes alongside. He's our comforter. He advocates for us. He's, he's one that's there to care for us. So we're never alone. He's there in your loss. He's there in your fear. He's there in your panic. He's there in your ignorance. He's there in your inability. He's your helper. He's there when we struggle. I remember hearing a count about a, a mom with a, her kid in the grocery cart that she's pushing around. I'm sure some of you ladies and even guys can identify with this. And her kid's in the grocery cart and she's pushing around and the kid's just screaming all through the store. Just, Wah! you know. She's pushing the kid around and screaming and screaming and she's just saying, Jenny, calm down, Jenny. Don't lose it. You'll be all right, Jenny. You know, and she gets up to the cashier and the cashier said, wow, mom, you are so good with little Jenny. And Lay said, that's not Jenny. I'm Jenny. You know, like I'm the one that needs this. Forget about the kid. And some of you might be sitting there saying, Man, I need comfort. I'm hurting. I feel alone. I'm struggling. So how does the Holy Spirit give us comfort? I already told you he'll pray for you. Sometimes we don't even know what to say. We just sit there in prayer and our brain is mush. 
our heart isn't empty, it's overfull. But we don't know what to say. He'll talk to God for you. He's given us an avenue of prayer to talk to God directly. And that's another thing. That's how he gives us comfort. We can talk to God. You know, he has, the Holy Spirit has written so many words of comfort in here. Like, just imagine picking up this book and seeing that there's words that he inspired people to write down to touch you in your moment of struggle and hurt and challenge. It's from the from the movement of the Holy Spirit. It's a big deal. Another way he gives comfort, the Bible says he organizes the body. So there's people in front of you and behind you and to the side of you that God has designed to be a comfort for you, that the Holy Spirit has strategically placed in your environment to be comfort. He has an active ministry in your life. He's comfort. Here's the other way the text talks about in John 14. He helps with our comfort. He helps with our eternal life. And I'm sure some people are saying, whoa, I thought Jesus. Jesus is the one that gives eternal life. Check out where the Holy Spirit's in on this. I, I'm going to pull up Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. It says, and, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, look at this, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. And guess who that seal is? The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So people, boom. He helps with eternal life because if it were up to us, we would screw the whole thing up. But when Jesus rescues us and redeems us because he died on the cross to pay for our sins, so those who believe that he died for their sins, Upon that faith, he places the Holy Spirit within them as a seal. You are going to your destination, and the Holy Spirit's going to make sure you're getting there. He's with you to the very end. He's sticking with you as the guarantee. And here's the big deal. If you are not sure the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're in big trouble right now. You need help. And maybe the Holy Spirit is tugging on you right now like, I am so out of this orbit, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I believe that Jesus died for me. Well, you know, that needs to be cleared up pronto. Because this is a big deal. You have the Holy Spirit when you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross as your punishment 
for your sin. You come to grips with the reality, I'm a sinner, I need help. I can't atone for my sin. And you realize Jesus did it all for me. He suffered, he died on the cross, bearing the wrath of God for your sin. And at that moment, he places the spirit in you. You are indwelt. And he's going to work on us to change us and eventually take us to heaven to be with Jesus. That needs to be your decision today. So stand with me. Come on. Let's, let's make a decision. Let's think about it here this morning. Say it with me. I need help. I need help. We all do. We all need the Holy Spirit. We need help. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. Maybe today you need comfort. Take those areas of comfort given to you by the Spirit of God. Put them to work. Let him work them into your heart and soul through prayer, through the words that he helped write, through the people he's put in your environment. Let him tug and work and give you comfort that you need. But most of all, friend, today, if you don't know that your sins are forgiven, if you've never believed in your heart that Jesus died for you, here's what you need to do. You need to talk to God. God, I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I need a rescuer. I know Jesus died for my sin. In fact, in prayer, just do this. I know Jesus died for my sin. I know it. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Clean me because of Jesus. I want you to be my forgiver and my leader because I need help. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, if that's your prayer, then your life is different. You have the Holy Spirit. He's there to help you. He's there to change you. He's there to do what you can't and help you take your next steps with Jesus. And if you made that decision to trust Jesus Christ, would you reach out to myself or another pastor or maybe someone you came with? Give us a call, give us an email, whatever it is. But we mean business here, folks. Our business is people. We want to help you to take your next step to be closer to Jesus Christ. Talk to us, would you? So let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for giving us the Spirit because, man, we need help. We can't do this thing on our own, never could. And forgive us for thinking we can. Thank you for your help in our weakness. As we're getting 
acquainted or reacquainted. Help us in these steps to be appropriate, to be biblical. But God, may we not be the same. Grow us, change us, mold us, use us. All for your glory and the growth of your church. And we pray this together as a church in the name of Jesus. And together we say, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great day, a great week. We'll see you out in the foyer. Have a good one.